Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. I mean, because believe it or not, I'm praying right now. In fact, I've added it to my prayer list. I've talked about it before, but I'm praying for an airplane. So, Bishop, how in the world are you going to afford an airplane? I can't. I can't. But when God is ready, he's going to give me one. Watch. And by the way, I also prayed for the pilots to fly it too. You know, you got to, I don't just need a plane, Lord. I need pilots to fly that baby because I'm not going to fly myself. That's, that would not be smart. Now, now, here's the thing. I could be scheming and uh, now let me see. Uh, I could maybe, if I did this, if I moved, if I did, no, 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 no. First of all, the first thing I'm going to do is get something before I'm ready for it and then it's going to it's going to blow up in my face. That's the first thing. Amen? Second thing, I'm going to get something that God didn't have for me and that's going to blow up in my face and you don't want airplanes blowing up in your face when you're 8,000 feet in the air. Come on, do I have a witness here? Amen. Amen. No, no, you, you want that baby to fly. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so I'm not going to do any. I'm just going to put that before God because here's, here's the reason why I'm praying more intensely. I'm flying all the time nowadays, all the time. I mean, from one airplane to another airplane, and the plane is late, and the plane's got a mechanical problem, and we admit that there was bad weather in your connection. I've stayed overnight in, air, not in airports, but in hotels, thought I was going to fly out that night. The plane got stopped. The plane couldn't come. The plane couldn't leave, whatever. And now they go, sir, here's a voucher. Go stay in a hotel tonight. And we'll fly you out tomorrow morning. I mean, I don't have time for all that. When you got your own plane, it gives you the ability to move in a more flexible way. Amen? Instead of saying, well, if I fly in and I do this, I can't get out until the next day. Or I can't, if I do this in the morning, there's nothing leaving until later that evening. Now you can say, when I'm done, I get in my own plane and go. But the dumbest thing you could do uh, any preacher could do, anybody could do, is to say, well, that's what I want, and I'm going to figure out a way to get it. You better not. <laughs> you better put it before God. <laughs> Amen. And let him do it supernaturally. Amen. 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 Genesis chapter 17. Look at verse 6. God says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Now, that's a promise to Abraham. We just saw, uh, you can go to it when you have a chance. Galatians 3.29 says, if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, right? So that means that's a promise to you. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Now the question is, well, well God, am I exceedingly fruitful? And if the answer is, well, no, then you need to appropriate that promise. Amen? Because he said he would make you what? Fruitful in every good work, didn't he? So you see the promise is old covenant and new covenant said, and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. By the way, that make nations means I will cause you to become central in the lives of nations. I will cause you to occupy nations. I will ordain nations around you. See, I believe America was ordained around Christianity. And of course, then people try to throw that away now. And kings doesn't just mean kings with a crown on their heads. It means people of authority, people of power. I will make kings of you, meaning I will make you people that others have to come to in order to get the wisdom and to get the knowledge that they need in order to do the things that they need to do. I'll make kings of you. That's a promise of God. Go to Genesis 22. Genesis 22. Hallelujah. Are you all getting this? 
This, this, is, this is the power God wants our lives to operate in. It's the power God wants our ministry to operate in. But we have to appropriate it, amen? We've got to begin to retool our thinking so that we're thinking power and not thinking impotence. Genesis 22, verses 17 and 18 says the following. Read it with me if you have it. Blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. Now, by the way, that word descendants, it literally, the word, literal word is seed. Descendants is a trans, is a, a trans interpretation of the word based on context, appropriate. But the literal word is seed. I will multiply your seed. And that means not just biological seed, but I will multiply the seed that you sow. So you ought to be getting a multiplication on the seed that you are sowing. Amen? Amen. And, and, I, and you say, well, what seed, Bishop? Whatever seed, whether it's money seed, whether it's blessing seed, whether it's evangelistic seed, whatever seed you are sowing, wherever you are putting forth something in the name of the Lord, you ought to expect multiplication of that seed coming back to you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Read on. It says, and your descendants, or your seed, shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now see, that's where God wants his people standing. Now right now in America, Christians are on the outside looking in. And we're supposed to be on the inside looking out. You know, we're supposed to be the ones people are coming to, to get help, to get counsel, to get sustenance. To, uh, 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 what should we do? Because it was Christians in the forefront of the foundation of this nation. I don't care what some of these preachers say about, the, about uh, America being a Christian nation is a myth. It's not a myth. It's, it is the absolute truth. Amen. America is and always has, well, let's put it this way. It was a Christian nation. I'm going to claim it still as a Christian nation, even though, even though, while most people in America overwhelmingly still identify as Christians, most do not practice their faith. That's, that's just where we are. So multiplication is what Jesus did. Remember the five loaves and the two fish? Amen? In fact, let's, let's go there. Let's, let's just take a look at that. I want you to see the continuation of this thing. I'm not just pulling out a scripture here or there and trying to convince yourself. I want you to see this goes all the way from the old covenant as a promise all the way through the new covenant that God wants you blessed. He wants you walking in power. Amen? Amen. 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 Matthew chapter 14, verses 17 through 21. Matthew chapter 14, verses 17 through 21. I mean, you, you, can, you can apply this to anything, not only food. I mean, you can apply it to anything, you, whatever, whatever your need is. But I want you to notice the process here. Read it with me. It says, and they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Step number one, it's got to be dedicated to Jesus. Step number one, it's got to be given to him. Lord, thank you for this car. I dedicate it to you. Lord, thank you for these clothes. I dedicate them to you. Lord, thank you for this food. I, I bless it in your name. Thank you for this home, Lord. I dedicate it to you. It's got to be brought to him. Amen. 19, it says, then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven. He blessed and broke. I'll stop right there. You got to bless it. You got to dedicate it to God. He blessed it. He blessed it. Lord God, bless this. Bless this meal. You, you put, it, 
dedicated to him. Amen? Amen. Bless it in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. It says, and then, and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. Now, now think about this. And, and technically, I'm right. We know where the power came from, but I want to say this to you so you get the point. Technically, Jesus didn't multiply anything the disciples did. Because it said he took the loaves and broke it and gave the loaves to the disciples. In other words, he took those five loaves and he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And the multiplication happened when they started giving it out. Are you all hearing me? Because he didn't give them food for 5,000 people. It wasn't enough of them to hold that. He gave them what he had. And as they went out in obedience to him and began, here's the third point, to give. To give. The multiplication happened. See, I said, you got to be a giver if you want the power of God to operate in your life. I mean, give it all out. Jesus told us, told the disciples, which includes us, freely you have received, freely give. Heal the sick. Cast out devils. Raise the dead. Freely you have received, freely give. In other words, I ain't charge you anything. Don't you charge others. Amen? Amen. Amen. You got to be a giver. It says, so they all ate, and says the disciples gave to the multitudes, so they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. In other words, the leftovers were more than Jesus gave to the disciples. 12 baskets full of leftovers. All he had was five loaves and two fish. That wasn't even a basket. And they took up 12 baskets. Amen. Amen. Now look, it says, now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. If you estimate approximately two uh, children and because women didn't travel by themselves in those days, you understand that. So that means of 5,000 men, they counted the men because it was, a, it was a patriarchal society. They counted the men, and then you add a wife and say, and just on average, say two children to each family. Now you've got 20,000 people. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, most scholars say 15, somewhere between 15 and 20,000 people were fed out there on five loaves and two fish. That's the power. Now, what did we, what's the opening text? He that believes in me, the things that I do shall he do also, and greater things than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Amen. Say, well, Bishop, I can't be, I imagine being out on the mountainside having to feed 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish. But if you do, you know where to go. But you might be in a situation where a bunch of family members have come over and you don't have anything to feed them and might be short on money. Come on here, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. That's when it's time to go to work. Praise God. Praise God. That's when it's time to go to work. Amen. Look, I don't know whether you all have heard this story. Preacher told this story. He said that the Lord had spoke to him about giving away food. They had filled their trunk up with food, and they were looking for somebody to give it to. So they went into a neighborhood and uh, asked the guy, said, I'm looking for somebody to give food to. And the guy said, well, I'll take it. And he said, no, my spirit wouldn't bear witness to that. Asked a couple of other people. And finally, he said, he came to a neighborhood, and, and somebody said, well, you know, there's Miss So-and-So up there. And, you know, she's got a lot of children. She, she works hard, but she's having a hard time making ends meet. So, so well, where she lived, they told him, went knocked on the door, said she opened the door. He said, ma'am, I, I, this may seem strange to you. He said, but I got a bunch of food in my trunk. The Lord told me to take it to the right person. I believe you are the right person. She said, no, it ain't strange at all. She said, I got the table set. Bring it right on in. She was in there praying and believing God and had set that table saying, Lord, where's the food? 
And he said, I'm here with it. But, but see, what, what, what would most people in those circumstances do? Y'all go down there to the welfare office and tell them how we run out this month and see if we can get some cheese and some milk and we'll, we'll, we'll get by on that. Mm-hmm. But she was counting on God. I don't know why her circumstance had gotten to that point where there was nothing left, but this man said, this woman works hard, she's got a lot of children, and probably as, as often the case, because it was a poor ghetto neighborhood, probably the husband left and wasn't doing anything, and she's trying to do it on her own. God took care of her, amen? amen. See, when, now she found another way, guess what, she would have short-circuited that miracle. That was a miracle, amen? Amen. Amen. So, so there's got to be giving. You got to give it to the Lord. You got to bless it. You got to dedicate it to him. You got to be a giver. Give it out to others. And guess what? When you start doing that, that thing just, that, the cycle of that thing is powerful. It's powerful. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's powerful. Glory to God. Because somebody was saying to me, somebody called me not too long ago, said, Bishop, I'm going through some very, very difficult times. Uh, not one of our members here, somebody from um, way out of town, said, I'm going through some difficult times and I just wanted to get your counsel and, you know, uh, what, what do you think I should do? Um, and I said, well, first of all, let me tell you this. I've been where you are. I have been where you are. So I'm not going to tell you something that's academic. I have been where you, I've been in a situation where I didn't have the money to do what I needed to do for myself, my family, my home. I didn't have it. So what did you do? I told you all, I made prayer my part-time job. I made prayer my part-time job. In other words, the same amount of hours I would have gone to work for somebody, I started praying those hours. And that thing just started, that thing just started changing just like that, boom, boom, boom. You know, God just started moving. I mean, it was, it was miraculous how God brought me out of it, amen? amen. Now, if I'd gone on and gone to work part-time, guess what? I wouldn't have seen the miracles I saw. I wouldn't have seen the breakthroughs I saw. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to go to work. But you, you understand, God called me to minister. He wasn't calling me to go to work somewhere else. And so he was saying to me, no, 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 I don't want you doing that. And look, there's nothing wrong with working. Amen? Amen? Amen. So don't get me wrong. You know, people ought to work, and if they don't work, they shouldn't eat. Amen. Amen. Adults ought to work, or they shouldn't eat. Praise God. That's what the Bible says. And all this welfare stuff is turning people into modern slaves. That's all it's doing, turning people into modern day slaves, sitting up waiting for the check to come. Now, if you're disabled, you can't help yourself, fine, that's one thing. But if you're able-bodied and sound of mind, go get yourself a job. Amen, go work. Hallelujah, glory to God. And, and see, you gotta be faithful in the few things. Look, I, I'd come to a point in my life where God was not calling me to do that. God was calling me to seek his face and believe him because he had a calling on my life to do some things in ministry. But let me tell you something. I've cleaned toilets. I've cleaned offices. I've done security guard work. Uh, I was a, 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 a security guard in a, in a um, department store, arrested people for shoplifting. Yeah, some of them jumped bad, too. You get them right out the door. You, you, you accusing me? You accusing me? Yeah, I am. What's that you got right there? I've done all that stuff. So, so look, please, you know, I don't want anybody to think, well, Bishop, you don't work. I have worked. Amen? Amen. From the time I was uh, able to get what we call it in Pennsylvania, a work permit, I went to work. 
I was a shoe salesman. I sold clothes at the Robert Hall. Uh, I worked in the airport. Uh, what, I, I, you, you name it, I did it. I did it. Amen? Amen? Trying to work and earn some money for myself. Praise God. Praise God. So I just don't want you all to get the wrong idea. But at that point, God was saying, no, 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 no. Your work is prayer. And, and by the way, no matter what kind of work you do, your work is still prayer. Amen? Because without that, nothing else is going to work. Do I have a witness here? Amen. Hallelujah. Now look, Elisha operated the same supernatural law. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. Glory to God. Let's take a look at this. I probably got two sermons here, and I'm not going to try to preach them both right now. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 4. Same, I want you to see this, this spiritual law. This is what we're, we're dealing with spiritual law here. It works, saints. 2 Kings chapter 4. Look at verses 42 through 44. Read it with me. It says, then a man, are you all, 2 Kings chapter 4, 42, verse 42. Read it with me. It says, then a man came from Baal Shalisha and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley bread and newly ripened grain in his knapsack. And he said, give it to the people that they may eat. But his servant said, what? Shall I set this before 100 men? He said, give it to the people that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left over. So he set it before them and they ate and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. Same thing. Same thing. See, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. And look, saints, let me give you a little secret for those of you who haven't heard this yet or haven't heard this before. Um, these are spiritual laws in operation. And they work consistently. It's not God with a magic squirt gun saying, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, miracle. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe, miracle. No, 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 no. No. It is a spiritual law. That's how these things happen. They are consistent. That's why Jesus never, ever showed doubt or question. He knew exactly what was going to happen. Father, I know that you hear me always, but I'm praying so that those around might know that you sent me. Lazarus, come forth. That was faith at work. And saints, the Bible says faith is a law. It is a spiritual law. It will draw to you that which you believe. By the way, understand something. Fear is the antithesis of faith. Fear will draw to you what you don't want. Because fear is faith in the devil's ability to hurt you. You may not have it that explicitly in your mind. Fear is faith in things going wrong. Faith is confidence in God that things will go right. But it's a law. And so the Bible says, if you operate it, it'll work. Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, he said, um, if, if you, he said, have the faith of God, whoever speaks to this mountain and believes that those things that he says and tells it to be cast into the sea and believes that those things that he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. That's a spiritual law. That's not a, well, that might work for you, Bishop. It doesn't work for me. It'll work for anybody who puts it to work. Amen. 
But remember what he said, who believes. He didn't say who believes that that thing that you said will come to pass, but believes that those things that he says will come to pass. In other words, you got to have a faith in the power of the tongue. Bible says life and death, death and life actually is the way the, the proverb reads, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. I didn't make that up, it's in there. And Jesus said, believe that those things that you say will come to pass, you will have whatever you say. That's the spiritual law. It doesn't apply to Peter, James, and John, but not in you and me. But the problem is most Christians don't even know anything about spiritual law. Look, saints, spiritual law is more reliable than physical law. I'm serious, because the physical laws are all based on the realm of the spirit. God is spirit. God created physical matter. This physical matter is a reflection of God's wisdom and power and spirit. And so the reliability of the physical laws can change. Well, when Jesus walked on the water, was that, was that, was that in defiance of the physical law? You better believe it was. He transcended that. He did something. that does. How you going to walk on water, Jesus? Because I'm higher than that law. I'm operating on a law that is, I'm operating on a law of faith, which is higher than the physical law. You and I know, particularly for those of you who aren't swimmers, I'll drop you in the middle of the ocean and gravity's going to pull you down. And you know, even if you're a swimmer, if somebody doesn't come get you sooner or later, gravity's going to pull you down too. If you jump off this roof, gravity's gonna pull you down. It's not gonna, well, that gravity may pull me down, but it won't pull Bishop down. No, it'll pull me down too, believe me. Cause it's a law, amen? But Jesus superseded that law with a higher law. The spiritual law is higher. So see, disciples don't walk in power a lot because we don't understand spiritual law. You can't operate in something when you don't understand it. You know what I mean? Look, I have an iPhone. Most of you have, have smartphones. I know how to operate the smartphone in terms of using it, but guess what? If it breaks, don't come to me. Because I have no idea, I have no clue. So if somebody said, uh, Apple is in dire straits. They, they need somebody who is gonna help them go to the next level technologically. They better not call me. I know, look, iPhones, smartphones operate by laws. There are laws of, of electrical uh, current and impulse and, and, and certain mechanisms that they put in those phones. And the people who build those things, I mean the people who design them, the people who manufacture them don't uh, know, know anything about it either, but the people who design them understand all of those laws. So they can build those things. And to us it's like magic. I mean, I text you, you're, you're, you're across the world, I text you, and within seconds, you have that communication. I mean, how in the world does that work? But people who build those things understand those laws. People who don't can't do anything with them. I mean, they can't, they can't, they, they can't replace what they've got, they can't build another one, they don't know anything about it. Look, when I was in, in the Marine Corps, I was a radar technician. I went to six months of radar school, six months, full time, eight in the morning to five in the afternoon, studying nothing but radar electronics. That's all I did. And guess what? I never touched a radar machine during that time. You know what they would teach us? How the dumb things operate. 
how, what are the laws of electricity and radar that make these things work? Then I could go out and I could actually repair them. I did repair them. Because I understood what, it, what, what that tube that, that had blown, what that tube meant, what that capacitor was for, what those things did, why they needed to replace. I understood all that once I got out of that school. But before that, I didn't know a radar machine from a, a water pistol in terms of how they work. If you don't know anything about God's spiritual laws, how in the world are you going to operate in them? Amen. How in the world are you going to have any power in them? Amen? Amen. Amen. You've got you to understand this. Go to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. And I'm just going to get this one point out. You're familiar with the story, I'm sure. Uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. It's a parable that Jesus told. Luke chapter 16, 1 through 11. Catch up with me when you get there. It says, he also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, that they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Now you know what that means? You know what that means? It means that worldly people sometimes are smarter at operating spiritual law than Christians. Than followers of the Lord. Because let me, let me explain to you, we don't have to read the rest of this. Let me explain to you what this man was doing. When he said his master family had been wasting his goods, what, he, what was he wasting it on? Himself. Spending the master's money on himself. Living large. Doing his thing. Stealing, basically. That's how he was wasting it. He was stealing it. Because he was using it on himself. To enrich himself. Now he finally gets a revelation. Man, doing all this stuff for me ain't doing me no good. I got to have some help. So now he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to help the people that I'm working with and doing business with for my master. So he says, you owe, you owe 100? Make it 50. You owe, you owe this? Make it this. You owe this? Make it this. And look, the Bible says, and the master commended him. Commended him. Why did he commend him? Well, wait a minute. What are, you, what are you doing with my stuff? You're discounting my stuff? The master commended him because he said, well, first of all, finally, you stop thinking about yourself. And started trying to help somebody else and realized that the way to help yourself is to be a help to others. In other words, the way to receive is first to give. And Jesus said, this is something that sometimes non-believers understand better than believers do. Why? Because it is a spiritual law and it works for anybody who puts it to work. You, you don't have to be a Christian to, to, to operate the law of giving. If you give, it's going to come back to you. 
It's the way it works, amen? If you want the supernatural power of God to operate in your life in terms of prosperity, you've got to be a giver. If you don't operate that spiritual law, nothing else is going to work. Are you all hearing me? Glory to God. Now look, God wants you to prosper supernaturally. He wants to bless you supernaturally. You've got to stop only considering what you do. I said stop only considering. You do have to consider that. You do have to consider that.